0: You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, Episode 117, Cultivating More Patience as a Parent. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30-minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. I always thought I was a patient person until I had kids. (laughs) Can any of you mamas relate? I have a naturally easygoing personality and I do tend to give people the benefit of the doubt, but I am telling you these little humans of mine push every button and get me riled up and yelling like no one else can. But I want to be more patient with them. And I will say that it has gotten easier for me to stay patient the longer that I've been a mom. And I think that's because I have so many opportunities to practice every single day, right? There's almost no limit to the number of opportunities that I have to practice staying calm when I want to lose it. And hey, When I get it wrong and do end up yelling in one moment, I can rest assured that I will have a chance to try again, probably within the hour. The opportunities to practice developing more patience are nearly endless when you're a parent. I talk about this and so much more on today's episode, which is actually an excerpt from when I was a guest on a different podcast earlier this year. I'm sure you remember our guests from last week on 3 and 30, Becky Higgins and Becky Proudfit from the Cultivate a Good Life podcast. I had the privilege of talking with them about patience on their show back in April, and they were so gracious to allow me to air an excerpt of that interview here on 3 and 30 for those of you who may have missed it on their show. In last week's episode, the Beckys and I talked about reframing anxiety, and in this episode from their show, we talked about reframing the concept of patience. I love these ladies, and this is one of my favorite conversations I've ever had about parenting. I hope you enjoy it as well. Before we dive in, I want to remind you of one thing. As I hope you know, our sponsor this month is Infancy, a nonprofit program from Optometry Cares, the AOA Foundation. And this is purely an awareness campaign for them, which is incredible. They want to get the word out to as many parents as possible that the American Optometric Association recommends that babies have their first comprehensive eye exam between the ages of 6 and 12 months old. Babies can't articulate if something seems a bit off with their vision, which is why the Infancy Program is dedicated not only to educating parents on the importance of infant eye care, but also to making that a financial possibility for all families, regardless of income or insurance coverage. Through the Infancy Program, 20,000 participating optometrists across the country volunteer their time to provide a free infant eye assessment for babies between the ages of 6 and 12 months. There's no catch here. The eye assessment is truly free thanks to this nonprofit program. The team at Infancy and I feel so strongly about encouraging moms to take action on this message and not wait to get their babies signed up for eye appointments that we are hosting a giveaway this month. All you have to do is go to the Infancy website, which will be linked to my show notes, and enter your zip code to find a participating provider in your area. Then call to set up a free appointment for your baby and just shoot me an email at hello at 3and30podcast.com and let me know that you did this. That simple action will bless your baby's life and you will be entered to win a care package of some of my very favorite baby products. Win-win. This giveaway ends on February 29th, so call for your baby's eye appointment before then. You don't necessarily have to have the appointment before then, but you do need to call and make the appointment and let me know. I'm so honored to be a part of this awareness campaign with Infancy and so grateful that they are sponsoring 3 and 30. And now here's an excerpt from my conversation with Becky Higgins and Becky Proudfit on the Cultivate a Good Life podcast.
1: Okay, so as we move forward into the topic, here's what's really cool. When you bring podcasters together, you get to choose how you approach this. And the way Mm -hmm. we're choosing to do it is this is obviously... Our podcast and it's our format—a very casual, you know, very chatty. Yeah. But Rachel's format, which we equally value, it's a completely different style. Yes. Very succinct, very to the point, very like tight, actionable
2: takeaways, actionable very takeaways. tight, actionable takeaways. Yes,
1: and it's very intentional the way it's presented. And so we're going to marry that together. We are being casual and chatty, but we're going to now turn this over to you, Rachel, to do your thing, to share with us the three takeaways that are related to the topic, which is patience. And parenting. So yeah, how do you want to kick that off?
0: Well, I will start off by telling you about a moment that I had where I redefined patience for myself and it kind of blew my mind. Mm -hmm. And then um, we can talk about the three ways that I have been trying to apply that definition of patience in my life. So love it. So I read an article a few years ago and it's one of those things like we all read a million articles, right? Especially back, you know, five years ago when Mm -hmm. I read this when I think we were reading a lot more because there weren't audio like podcasts. I mean, I read tons of blogs and parenting articles and for one to stick with me this long is, you know, that that was really impactful and it was a story and we can link it in the show notes of a woman who, um, she had looked up the definition of patience and she saw that the actual formal definition is a willingness to suffer.
1: Ooh, whoa.
0: Yeah. And oh. so she was thinking about that, that definition, a willingness to suffer. And um, she had a moment with her son where he was like having a freak out tantrum. And what she wanted to do was to yell at him to get him to stop because she was suffering. And she wanted yeah. out of the suffering and but instead she decided to stay in the suffering with him and she got down and hugged him and said like let's breathe we can do this this is a hard moment and they calmed down together so she mm. refused to escape her suffering
1: Ooh.
0: by having an this emotional outlet and instead stayed in the suffering and that that was her wow. trying to cultivate patience and wow, that man. blew my mind mm-hmm. and it's come back to me so often in the years since in different ways in motherhood that I'm trying to stay in my suffering to do what's best for my kids and cultivate more patience.
2: Wowzers! Wow. That is a really That's amazing a, insight. Well, it's just not the way that we think about patience. I mean, it's kind of a remarkable thing our bodies do constantly trying to escape, escape, yes. escape. And it comes out in really bizarre ways. Almost it's like a knee-jerk reaction
1: yeah. and stopping
2: that process to slow down to examine what's really going on is crucial. So I'm dying to hear your three takeaways because I will also be. For the takeaways, they're
0: more um, applications. Yeah. That I've, as a mom, I think are really common that every mom feels these, like has these situations every day. Yeah. And so to stop and think in that moment, am I going to cultivate patience and be willing to suffer or am I going to take the easy way out? And sometimes we do take the easy way out and that's okay. We seriously just need to escape our suffering at that moment. (laughs) Absolutely,
1: absolutely. But
0: there's other times when we could choose to be a little bit more intentional and say, I'm going to stick this out. And so my first takeaway is with yelling at my kids. So that's the first application, which I just gave you a pretty good example from that other mom. Right. It's interesting to think that the reason why we yell is because we are thinking of our kids as making us miserable or inconveniencing us. You're inconveniencing me this whatever you're doing is so annoying or hard or interrupting me that I'm just going to yell. Or not
2: doing, let's be honest. Yes. Like, totally. You're not moving. I mean, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, yelling
2: yeah. is a motivator sometimes for getting moving, getting going, Absolutely. getting your school clothes on, Absolutely. getting, you know, when you're having, when we have little time in our house, this is where this comes out. Yes. And we're pressed for time.
0: Yes. And so making that choice in that moment, like I said, to just stay in the moment with your child And have a calmer, better solution, um, I think, is a huge shift for a lot of moms, for me and for most
1: Totally. Well, tying back into the whole definition that we're talking about, the word is willingness. Mm -hmm. Patience is a willingness to suffer. And so it really, it feels like so proactive to me. We have Mm -hmm. to choose to be willing to embrace that moment for what it is. Mm -hmm. That takes work. It yeah. takes a minute. Like you have to think about it ahead of time. I think that we all know that we set ourselves up for better success when we make decisions ahead of time. So mama listening right now, make up your mind right now to choose willingness, to be willing to cultivate more patience in the next moment that you're going to be tempted to not be patient. Yeah. Am I making any sense? That was all. No, that's why I
2: love the three takeaways is because really she's What you're giving us, Rachel, is little bites of the big elephant, like we're going to start tackling this problem one situation at a time. And just being
0: aware of times when you might have the opportunity to practice patience. And that's another thing that I've heard. I heard on a podcast by an author, Paul David Tripp, he talked about the difference between seeing your children or your children's misbehavior as an opportunity instead of as a disruption. Mm -hmm. He said, most parents see it as a disruption and we got to fix that, get out of control. You're interrupting my life versus the misbehavior is this, wow, almost exciting. Like this is an opportunity Mm, for me to teach, for me to connect with this child. And so being able to have that little shift of this is an opportunity for me to practice patience and teach my child versus... This is a disruption that I want to put an end to now because it's making me suffer. Mm -hmm. And And how much better would we get at it? We're practicing. We're practicing patience. Think about how many opportunities our kids give us to practice patience every day. (laughs) It
2: is a plentiful, plentiful basket of joy. And I do think that
0: most of us mothers probably can see that we've gotten more patient.
2: Yes, for sure.
0: Because we've had lots of opportunities to practice it, whether or not we were consciously Mm -hmm. thinking that.
2: That's so, a good point.
0: how far would we come if we were consciously thinking about it yeah. and practicing deliberately to become better at this?
2: I
1: love That's it. True. That's so true. I know what's, what's your... going on my goal sheet next week. I know. <laughs> I know. Okay. What's your second takeaway?
0: So, the second area that I've really tried to cultivate this patience is by not using screens as much with my children.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Again, as an escape from my suffering. So. Instead of when they're annoying me, my kids are still little, eight and five, and I want to get something done. Instead of taking the extra step to find them something useful or meaningful to do, I'll just turn on the TV to Mm. get them out of my hair because I don't want to suffer through them bothering me in that moment. Or with their emotions, if they're having a really big emotion and I don't want to deal with it, the TV or the iPad, the screen is a really good distraction for them but it's an escape from my own suffering. And I want to say here that I am not anti-TV. I like to use TV on my good days and good periods of time as a deliberate tool where I'm deciding, I'm consciously deciding, okay, at this period of time, I'm going to need a break to do these things. And this would be a good time for them to watch the show or this movie versus a reactive coping thing where I can't deal with them. And Mm -hmm. so I just put them in front of a screen because I can't deal with them. makes
1: a lot of sense. It's a very big difference.
0: Yes. And so I've tried to get really honest with myself in those moments when I'm tempted to turn on the TV or hand them an iPad. Why am I doing this? And is it in line with my values? Is it in line with what I want for them and who I want them to become? And sometimes the answer is... It's like, I can't deal with them today and I do turn on the show and it's okay. And I just want to say that like right. grace for all the mamas. That's right. what I was going to say
1: is give yourself that grace, yes. give yourself that patience. And sometimes, okay. yeah,
0: sometimes you're in a really dark spot yourself. Like yeah. you may be going through a depression or really hard pregnancy or, and you realize that you're using the screen as the babysitter, but that's all you can muster up.
2: But even that you know? awareness of like, I know this is probably not the best. It's still going into it. With a little more intention than just having it be the knee-jerk reaction. And I'll tell you, now having teenagers, it's so important to practice this because when your kids become older, when they have big emotions, you've trained them to go to the TV.
1: Mm.
2: And... We're really, really careful in our house. Or I try to be very careful about screen time and, and all these things. And I still, as my kids are getting older, have to do a lot of negotiating with that and figuring out how that fits into our life. Because I see my kids having a really hard day at school and they want to check out. They want to just watch TV. And not that that's even a bad thing, but framing that properly for our children is so important, really, and for ourselves, let's well, that's be honest. What I was, when yeah. you were
0: talking, I was like, oh my gosh what am I modeling? Because I think I turn yeah. to my phone when I'm feeling a big emotion I don't want to deal with, or just when I'm bored. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing is developing patience when my kids are bored. When your kids are bored, they're annoying and right. they pester you <laughs> yes. and they a million times. And just sitting with that and saying like, they'll figure it out. They're going to find something to do. They can be uncomfortable and I can be uncomfortable for a little while. And we can both cultivate patience instead of me just turning on the TV right now for yeah. them.
1: Yeah, that's a good thing to practice. That's what cultivating means is like really creating those opportunities by being aware of them and then just working on it every time.
0: And I do think another area that I have really practiced this is with screens in the car.
2: Mm, Us too. Yeah,
0: because I don't want them to always need a screen when we get in the car and even on a road trip. I don't want them to always need a screen when we're on a road trip. But of course they want one. And I, and I understand and that for
2: Pete's sake, it is so much easier it's so much to easier. put on their headphones because you could have a conversation with someone. I'll be darned if your kids have that. <laughs> and there are times when that is fine. Totally uh, better than fine. Yes, right? yes. And there are
0: times when you are road tripping by yourself and you have all your children and you just need to turn on the movie for six hours straight. <laughs> for uh, fear that the is fine. But there are also times when I think if I just turn on the movie right now, we're not going to have any conversations this whole road trip. They're not going to learn to just sit and look out the window and think. Hmm. They're not going to see the scenery that's around us. There is it easier for me? Yeah, it is easier to just put on a show. But there's times when I make the choice that I'm going to suffer a little bit and I'm going to let them suffer a little bit to cultivate patience so that we have this better long-term outcome which is the development of their imagination yeah. the development of our family relationships memories and talking and so like we went on a really long road trip this summer and i just kind of i tried to do a balance i'm like we'll watch a movie every day when mm-hmm. we're in the car but we're not going to watch a movie all day that we're in the car
2: right
0: and by the time we were driving home and we were all done they watched a lot more yeah. <laughs> on the trip home than they did the trip there, but just being aware of it mm-hmm. and what I really want them to be developing in themselves and how I have to be willing to suffer a little bit in order for them yeah. to develop the things that I want. It's them.
2: interesting. I think in society, we have a really hard time with boredom because there's so much input all the oh, time. Yeah. And so we started, I don't know, probably 18 months ago doing something in our car called structured boredom. And so we get in. Do you actually the car, label at that the kids know exactly what I'm talking okay. about. We're heading up to our cabin later okay. today. The kids know it's structured boredom and they'll ask us how much screen time and how much is boredom time? Because we <laughs> realized our kids did not have enough time to be bored and mm-hmm. they were missing out on a lot of creative experiences because they literally are hardly ever bored. Yeah. And the more activities kids are in, and it seems like our culture is moving towards more is more is demanded out of them. Let's be honest. And the social norm is a much higher activity level than I think when when I was growing up, they're not having those opportunities, like you said, to stare out the window and just be with your thoughts. And just think. And, and so and we, we just, aren't
0: either. As yeah, adults, it's true. I turn on a podcast every time I get in the car. Mm-hmm. What about just sitting... In the silence and thinking. That's really important too. It is very important. Big fan
1: of the silence in the car, for sure. It's made a big difference in my life. And I think that there are times and seasons to that. I think Mm -hmm. that there are some times where when I am either driving in the car or hiking by myself for that matter or going on a walk, sometimes I really do want that voice coming in of the podcast I'm listening to or the audiobook because I'm so intentional with what I consume. Mm. So it's good. It's really good. Sometimes it's audio scriptures or a really good meaningful talk that really makes me feel like I'm becoming a better human because of what, what I'm listening to. But that whole principle of good better best has to be remembered. Sometimes that is the best thing is for me to take that in and sometimes the best thing is to turn off all the noise. Mm. It it doesn't matter who it is that's saying all of the best things. I need silence. I yeah. need to just be quiet with my own thoughts and just listen yeah. to the nothingness. And it allows me to feel things that I would not feel no matter how good the stuff is that I'm listening to. And, so, and one, and one of the things that I feel is uncomfortable when Mm -hmm. I don't have
0: the input and I'm not listening to something. And it's It's good. It's good to feel uncomfortable. Right. But being somebody that's very productivity focused, I like justify a walk if I, but I, I'm going to go for a walk and take this time, but I'm going to listen to like a business podcast while I do it. So it's uncomfortable for me to not do anything quote productive and to just walk, I mean, walking in and of itself is very important, but to do anything where I'm not also like to drive without also learning something doesn't feel productive to mm-hmm. me. Yeah. But thinking matters.
1: Yeah. It not only matters, but some of my most greatest, most profound moments personally have happened when I turned off the, the noise. Yeah, absolutely. What is your third takeaway? So my third
0: way that I try to cultivate patience is... By giving my kids chores. You guys
1: you should see her body Preach. language right now. She's like, and also uh. she's feeling a little bit fidgety. Yep. Okay, yeah, what is that? Oh, so chores. tell us the feelings that go into you choosing that to be the third point that you bring up. Well, because
2: it's a work in progress, right? Giving
0: them chores. Leads to suffering for me. It
2: does. (laughs) It leads to more work. I'll be darned. So
0: much easier. So, and that's also the phase of life I'm in. And people who have older children tell me it will be worth it, and eventually you'll have a huge payoff. Mm -hmm. But right now, it's not a payoff. It is suffering. It is the
2: worst to have to
0: deal with trying to get them to do chores Mm -hmm. and remind them and deal with the whining and. It would be so much easier for me to just do it myself. But when I think about what I want for them and the Mm -hmm. values I want them to develop, I'm willing to suffer a little bit in order for that to happen. So I have to be very patient and also refer back to takeaway one to to try not to yell (laughs) at them when they're not doing the chores that I want them to do to teach them to be hard workers. Cause it'd be, it'd be way easier for me to just shirk that and let them be lazy and say, they'll figure it out eventually, which might be true, but I want to deliberately teach them to have a good work ethic and to help.
2: I think when, as parents, we can help our children to develop a good, healthy work ethic. There's very few lessons more important than that, because it's the one thing that's going to determine their success in the future is their ability to be uncomfortable and continue to work and to continue to strive and to find joy in that. Mm -hmm. And I think that the main thing that chores teaches kids is their capability And you can start to build upon it. I promise there will be a payoff. I
1: just want to add to that because when you cultivate that kind of culture in your family, and your home, then when they get to a point of their life where they are in an independent situation and when they maybe are tempted with the idea of throwing all that out the window, they're going to find themselves not liking that because they were raised in an environment and, and mm. with a culture that has been so ingrained in them that when they don't do it, they, I mean, maybe a few kids might find freedom air quotes with that. Um, in that, but for the most part, I think that they all go, I like being clean and tidy. It turns out good.
2: that being clean and tidy is where it's at. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I'd also yeah. add to that I think I was kind of a messy kid. I never made my bed, Hmm. even up through adulthood, because when I was working outside the home, I just would get up and I would go to work and my bed was unmade. Then when I became a stay-at-home mom and now I work from home, it's my domain and I care. And so I make my Mm -hmm. bed every day. And so I think for some kids, like until it's their domain, their thing, like it won't click, but there's also an element of being willing to accept your kids for who they are, Mm Even if that means a little bit of suffering for you, but continuing to love and be patient and not try to change them, Mm -hmm. still teaching them the values, still expecting them to work, but recognizing that maybe this child just doesn't value this in the same way that
1: I do or her brothers and sisters, but she'll be okay. And you're totally right. Like if I am the one that's choosing this path that I'm on. I'm going to be a whole heck of a lot more successful with it than if Becky or Rachel or my parents or my husband were nagging me saying, this is the way you should be. And I expect you to be this way. And I think you'd be better if that's Mm -hmm. not going to set me up for success. And so embracing that ownership that we each have of that space that we're creating is really, really important. So back to the bed making. Good for you. And look at you're successful at it because why? <laughs> you chose it.
0: Because I chose it and I, yeah. cared. I decided
2: it was important.
0: And I do think it takes a tremendous amount of patience in our relationships to to wait for people to kind of come around and to just allow them to be who they are and, yeah. and to love them anyway. Suffering is a strong word. My kids don't make me suffer because of who they are, but sometimes it it's harder for me. Life is harder mm-hmm. for me because they don't conform to the what I want. But like I love them fiercely and I'm willing to be patient with them and love them for who they are and learn and grow if that makes sense. Of it course it totally does.
2: We are not saying the kids make us suffer, but really that initial moment of discomfort discomfort is suffering because it does. It feels a lot worse in second one than second 10. Yeah. Like second one is like the intense onslaught of like Get me out of this situation. By second ten, you've had time to like. Okay, calm down, body. You don't need to protect me. I'm fine. Well, and second one, two, maybe three is when we turn to our numbing tools.
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's so. That's why it's totally worth waiting and holding out until second ten. Yes. Because mm-hmm. if you just get through the discomfort for just a moment, you'll see that there is growth. You'll in- see options appear that were not options
0: you didn't want to take, honestly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If I can stop myself from yelling at my kids, if I can stop myself for even five seconds, Mm -hmm. usually I can get it under control and choose not to yell. Mm -hmm. It is that initial second. And sometimes you even know that you don't want to do what you're about to do and you have that split second Mm -hmm. conscious and you're like, no, I won't. I'm going to yell. Yeah. <laughs> like you make the choice because it yeah. feels good because there's right. like a physical outlet. Isn't that the like, truth?
2: Oh, yeah, our bodies like, lie to us. Gotta... It feels so good to and get And then angry. after, you feel it justified. feels so bad. So bad. <laughs> and I would refer all of you back to the movie Inside Out if you haven't seen oh, it. That's Have good. you seen this movie? I've seen it, but
0: it's been a while. It is
2: oh, it's such really a good. great place to start with emotions and giving a name and a face to what you're feeling. It's a great movie to watch as a family and have yes. great discussions about identifying your emotions so that hopefully we can get these human reactionary tendencies
0: to just take Under a, control, yeah, calm it down, take a second, <laughs> exactly. decide who you want to be. And like I said, sometimes I still make the wrong choice. I yeah. think about who I want to be. And then I'm like, no, I need, I can't suffer. I <laughs> yeah. got to do this. I got to yell. I got to do be this, but, but, this a, feels but, better. More, but it's getting easier. It yeah. is getting easier to make the conscious choice. No, I want to be who I actually am and yeah. not default. Ooh, to I this love that. You want to be who you
2: actually are. And I think that's a perfect way to to tie this up is is patience with yourself, right? As we're all cultivating and working to be a little bit better and making the better choices every day, patience and grace for yourself, patience and grace for your children and patience. I will dare say, I don't know that any studies support this, but I really feel like patience is not something that is a natural attribute of humans. I think it's a learned behavior and it's a behavior that needs to be practiced. And keep that in mind as you are practicing patience little by little, day by day, being a little bit better.
1: Well, true to Rachel Form, why don't you recap the three takeaways okay. because that is what you do and I also want to give you the best news ever that we're actually not even too terribly far past the oh, 30 minute. You are like a good luck You might be arm. the
2: first person we've ever been able to present to in under 3 hours. So, well done you. I
1: know. Okay, what are
2: those well, three? You got the
0: three, 3 hours, 30
2: takeaways
1: that's in 3 right. hours. Oh, okay. Hey, don't tempt. <laughs>
0: So the principle here is to cultivate the willingness to suffer, which is patience. And three places that you can start working on that within your parenting are first, when you're tempted to yell at your kids. Second, when you're tempted to hand them a screen or turn on the TV. And third, when you are tempted to not give them chores because it's just too stinking hard to get them (laughs) to do it. Those are the three takeaways.
1: I hope you guys feel the takeaways from Rachel. She's so good about really making that so understandable when you break it down like that. It feels like a takeaway yeah. that can be applied immediately. Yeah. Thank you, Rachel, so much for your time and for being such a great example to us and to the people that you reach in your sphere of influence. And for everybody who's listening today, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on.
0: I really love your work and it was an honor. Many thanks to the Beckys for allowing me to air that excerpt from Cultivate a Good Life. I love those ladies and I admire their genuine desire to build up women and share goodness and light in the world. Friends, you've got this. Whether you're naturally a patient person or it's something you work on every day, aren't you so grateful for all of the thousands of opportunities your kids give you to practice? I hope this simple reframe of difficult behaviors. Helps you as much as it has helped me, and I hope you have a fantastic week with your family.